from the Revelation to St. John, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Halloween. All Hallows Even, which rarely falls on a Sunday. In fact, the only time I can recall when Halloween, All Hallows Even, as it's really known, the day before All Saints Day, the only time I can recall that it fell on a Sunday was when I was the rector of Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey. Gosh, probably 15 years ago now, maybe longer. Uh, Halloween fell on a Sunday, and of course, Uh, The little town where we lived, uh, the church was in Red Bank, we lived in Little Silver, and uh, Little Silver had a a parade for little kids on Halloween day. And so uh, I had church, Kathy went to coffee hour, then she split, took the kids over to the Halloween parade, and I told her, Kathy, I'll meet you there, and she said, no problem, off they went. So I wrapped up coffee hour, and I went. And I will say, um, is Katie here? Hold on, maybe not, I'll tell you. So, uh, my, my daughter Katie, I still have a video of her before she jumped in the wagon to go to the Halloween parade. Katie in a fairy costume with little wings, and she's running up and back and forth in the, in the, uh, in the hallway there. So I saw that on video, and I use it from time to time to embarrass her, frankly, with great effect. <laughs> anyway, so they went off to this parade, this Halloween parade. I showed up maybe, I don't know, 25 minutes later or so. I walk in, and there's just people everywhere. And it was a Sunday morning, and I had just left church. So people were looking at me and thinking, wow, there's a guy in a priest costume. <laughs> I was not there for, I, I'm not, this is a true story, through and through. I, I might have been there for six minutes, and these two women in their mid-40s were both very festive, full of the Halloween spirit, you might say, and pretty drunk, frankly. Uh, <laughs> And they came up to me, and they said, they don't, New Jerseyans don't really talk like this, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's funny. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And bef- they, she thought it was a costume. And before I could even say another word, the other woman said, yeah, let me tell you, I had the sin, let me tell you about this sin with a guy in a Batman costume last night. She was also pretty drunk, and I thought to myself, these These are Eagles fans, frankly. Uh, And they both started laughing. Ha, ha, ha. And they're laughing, having a great time. And I said, I was was completely caught off guard. And I stood there, dumbstruck for a few seconds. And I said, uh, said, ladies, um, this is not a costume. And I said, I really am a priest. And I showed them my driver's license and... Have you ever seen the blood rush from a person's face instantly? It was, I felt, I felt bad for them, frankly, but it was kind of funny, too, at the same time. And they both said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. I said, ladies, that's fine. With the Lord, I I said, with the Lord, there is plenteous redemption. I'll see you in church next Sunday. So here's a little, little clue. If you see a guy in clericals at a Halloween party, be careful what you say. But anyway, all that's to say, Halloween, of course, rarely falls on a Sunday, but it always falls on the day before All Saints Day, which is tomorrow. Um, And so today we're going to talk about drunk women from New Jersey, and we're going to talk most importantly about saints. What is a saint, and what makes them different from everybody else? What is a saint? Not what you think, probably. What is a saint exactly, and what makes a saint different from 
other people. So, what is a saint? Let me give you a, a, a dictionary definition, and then we'll jump into the, the good stuff. A dictionary def- definition says, saints are, I quote, the people of God, especially in relation to their being set, listen, set apart from the world. That's the key. To serve God, saints are called upon to lead holy lives, here's the zinger, worthy of their calling. Two points I want to show you in that definition. It's kind of meaty, but it's pretty cool. It's a, people that are, saints are people that are set apart to do what? To live lives worthy of their calling, holy lives. And the word holy just means a life that's devoted to God at the center. The word holy doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. You don't go out and drink too much on a Saturday night and go to a Halloween parade on Sunday morning. It doesn't mean that. Holy means that your life is focused on the Lord. It is a life set apart for God. The Holy Bible is a book, Biblias, holy, sanctus, a Bible, a book used to serve God. That's all it means. And so the word holy is is when we are called as Christians to be different from the world in which we live. People that God has chosen and who believe that Jesus of Nazareth is not just a prophet, not just a nice guy, not just a dude you swing by and see on Christmas and Easter if you're in the mood for it, but that Jesus actually is God himself. And specifically, a God who has come to earth to save us from our sins. Even Eagles fans can be saved. And (laughs) I've seen it, actually. Um, Saints are people who believe, friends, that Jesus' death on the cross in their place has saved them. So let me ask you a question. Does anybody here believe that? Yes? Yes? I hope so, because if you're not, you're in the wrong place. This is a really different idea than most people think of saints. Most people think of saints as sort of a goody-two-shoes, like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, right? Some guy who's naive and maybe has it pretty easy and doesn't really know about the real world, and so therefore they're kind of just weird people that you sort of tolerate at work, but they're just kind of boring, right? That's what people think of when they think of saints. But saints, the real ones, are people who are wonderfully diverse in their situations and their giftings. They're just like the people sitting in your seat right now. I I beat up on, every every chance I get to beat up on Billy Joel for this, I do. So here goes. Billy Joel said in in his song, Only the Good Die Young. You know that song, right? Not a very good song, but maybe you like it. He says, uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. You know that? I'm not going to sing it. That's actually a, kind of a stupid thing to say, Billy Joel. Because saints, you know, here's the thing. Saints, <laughs> here's the key. Saints are sinners, you see, who have been saved by Jesus. Saints are people who realize that without God at the center... Life has no meaning at whatsoever. That to quote Ecclesiastes, a book I love, it's about a dude who can't find the meaning of life. And he does this, this, you know, money, sex, and power, what everybody does. And every time he gets what he thinks is going to make him happy, he says famously, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And a chasing after the wind. Well, guess what? When you chase after the wind, you never actually get it. But saints, you see, are people 
who realize that a life without Jesus Christ at the center is a life which is not satisfying and a life which never gives you peace. I'll give you an example. Another famous guy, you've heard of him before, St. Augustine of Hippo. Ever heard of him? Famous dude, third, fourth century uh, African, frankly. Guy from Hippo in Africa. He had everything the world could offer. The dude was brilliant, had money, sex, power, you name it, and a lot of it, frankly, all three. <laughs> he was a keen mind with a lot of friends and a lot of women and a lot of money and everything that the world says, strive for and you will be happy. He had all that stuff. But here's the thing. Augustine had the benefit of having it and realizing that he was still not at peace. He had the world by the tail. He had the world by the tail, and he still did not have that elusive peace. And that peace there is a, is a Greek word, irene, and it means a sense of being content. It's not the absence of conflict, biblically. Biblical peace is not the absence of conflict. Listen, it's, it's peace in the midst of conflict. Big difference. And the very thing that Augustine wanted was this peace, and he couldn't find it no matter what he did. And he tried everything, and he could not find it. And then finally he says his famous quote, you've heard me say this before, in his book Confessions, which is a great book. He says, Oh God, all hearts are restless until they rest in thee. That's, those are the words of a saint. Those are the words of a sinner saved by Jesus who was a big enough man to realize that even the things of this world could not satisfy him. To paraphrase Jesus, that the things of this world are not going to give you peace, that life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions, but a life lived with him at the center. That's what makes a saint. People who are sinners who are saved by Jesus with him at the core. So here's my question for you, friends. Are you a saint? You can be an Eagles fan and be a saint. You can be a partier and be a saint. You don't have to be perfect to be a saint. But you've got to realize an important fact that only Christ can give you that peace that you so desperately strive for, that every human heart yearns for. Only Jesus can give it to you. That's what makes a saint, a person who decides to follow Jesus. And then secondly, if that's true, what makes them different? Well, see, again, this is the thing I want to just hammer. If you get one point today, it's this, that saints are not dead guys and dead girls. They are dead men and women. They can be. And, and the church has certainly recognized big saints throughout history, St. Saint Paul, St. Saint Mary, St. John, St. Timothy. But, you know, the interesting thing, if you look at the lives of saints, you know, the famous ones anyway, they're really just pretty incredibly ordinary, like, kind of like the person looking at me in your chair right now, kind of like you. The amazing thing, you see, is that God does not take the perfect. God does not take the wealthy or the, or the, or the powerful people of this world and use them because they're high, high profile. No. On the contrary, Jesus takes ordinary men and women like you and me, and working through them does extraordinary work. Let me give another example. St. Paul, another famous dude, right? Another famous guy. A man with a keen Paul. Brilliant. You read him in Greek. You think that's hard to follow. Read him in the, or in the English. Read him in the Greek. He's a, the guy's just phenomenally smart. St. Paul was educated, wealthy, influential, 
He was essentially a religious zealot and a terrorist, frankly. Paul was, when he was Saul, before his conversion. Before his conversion, Saul of Tarsus, this man, this Yale guy that every man wanted his son to be like, he would have made the Taliban look like Girl Scouts, for crying out loud. Saint Saul was a monster. He was cruel. He was like the Terminator in his determination to wipe out the church. But, but you see, here's the thing. I mean, by any measure, Saul was a bad guy. But the thing is, you see, Jesus changed him. Jesus always changes him, including you. Jesus changed Saul of Tarsus from a fire-breathing enemy of the church to one of the most passionate evangelists of the gospel. Jesus changed Paul from a man who executed Christians, families. Jesus changed him into a man who was ironically executed for being a Christian. Or another example, another famous one, St. Francis of Assisi. Maybe you don't know about him. Couldn't be more different from Thomas, from uh, Saul. St. Francis of Assisi, the son of a rich, wealthy textile merchant in Assisi, Italy. This guy had everything, money, fame, power, a good family name, access to all sorts of amusements, and he gave it all up. Francis did. He wore rags his entire life, devoting his entire life to serving the poor. He says he wed, wedded, married Lady Poverty. And he famously said that he, he wed Lady Poverty in his devotion. If you don't know anything about St. Francis, this little guy, scrawny little guy from Italy, literally changed the world. Why would someone, let's think about this for a second, why would someone, whether it's Augustine or Paul, Saul, Francis, Mary, whomever, why would anybody turn their entire lives upside down, turn their entire lives over to something? Why would anyone do that? Well, if you ask them, they'll tell you it's simple. It's because they met Jesus. He always works that way, even now, even with you and with me. What makes a saint different, you see, from all the other movers and shakers in this world is that saints are people who are saved by Jesus and use their gifts to serve him. A holy people, people used by God in all different ways. So let me ask you a question, friends. Whom do you serve? Who do you serve? Not who serves you. Who do you serve? Do people see Jesus in you? Even if it's only a little bit, if people are surprised that you go to church, that's not a good sign. And that happened to me when I was younger. Do you stand out from the crowd? Well, if not, today is the day you need to decide to be a saint, to be a person worthy of your calling before Jesus, to take your faith seriously, friends, because saints are not just dead guys and dead girls. Saints are Christians, dead and living, did you notice in the book of Revelation that we just read a moment ago, that, uh, that um, Austin read a minute ago, we, we see John the Divine's vision of the end of the world, the restoration of heaven and earth. And what does John see? He sees dead people. And not like the Sixth Sense movie, which is a great movie, by the way, but he sees dead people, but they're actually alive. And he sees them at the resurrection. And he says to them, he says this, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne, Jesus' throne. And it says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He, God, will dwell with them, you. And they will, 
we, they will be his people and he will be their God. See, friends, saints are those whose eyes are focused on the end game. Saints are those who love Jesus and are focused on him as their core. To use the things of this world not for our own glory, but for his. He is, after all, the one who gave you everything you have. So to give him glory only makes sense. To build up his kingdom and to draw other people to him. Christianity is not a spectator sport. And it is, there's no place for a pew potato either. <laughs> we are called to be out in the world. To be an example. To be straight talkers. As our culture gets weirder and weirder, and it's always been this way, this is nothing new, but the specifics change. I mean, even now, as free speech is suppressed, as technology takes over our lives, as our kids spend time on TikTok and doing, you know, I mean, as the culture gets weirder, as these ideas of gender and identity and race theory, critical race theory, become part of our culture, man, we have to stay focused on what does Scripture say? Saints are the ones who say, enough. We are going to be an example because we worship Jesus and we believe that what Scripture says is true. So here's a challenge. This is a biggie, actually. Are you a saint or are you a, a pew potato? Are you a saint or are you someone who kind of takes this kind of casually, do it on Sundays? I will tell you, and this is an honest thing that goes through my brain, Whenever I baptize a person, grown person or a child, as I'm baptizing that child, my heart always wonders, my heart always wonders, will this person live it? Will this person live a life worthy of their calling? Will they be different? Will they stand out? Will they be a cafeteria Christian or will they be a saint? Friends, the call to us is to live as Saints, set apart from the world to live differently, to live better. Before I wrap up, let me tell you about one more guy, another example. He's a little less well-known, but one of my favorites. His name is Maximilian, Maximilian Kolbe. Kolbe. Do anybody know who Maximilian Kolbe is? Maximilian Kolbe is a, a Polish Franciscan who found himself in a concentration camp at Auschwitz. He was a priest who was arrested by the SS, thrown into Auschwitz along with all other host of characters, Jews and gypsies and you name it. He was thrown into Auschwitz where he continued to minister as a priest despite the fact that Maximilian Kolbe was beaten and lashed continually. He served. And on the morning of July 1941, in the, I'm sorry, in the, in the end of July 1941, a prisoner escaped from the camp, and the SS had an idea. And what they did is they rounded up all the remaining prisoners, and they selected one man, whose name is, I'm going I'm to butcher this because I can't speak Polish, but bear with me, I'll try my best. The SS picked one man, his name was Franciszek Jadzinawasek, or something like that. The SS picked that man. He's the one. Kill him. As an example, that man was selected at random to be executed by, to be executed. The SS grabbed the man and he yelled out, my wife, my children. And Colby stepped forward. He stepped forward as a priest. He said, take me instead. And they did. 
And the story says, as Colby was executed by the lethal injection of carbolic acid, can you imagine? He put his arm out and prayed. Why would anyone do such a thing? Because Colby was a saint. He saw the end game. Jesus was at his center. That man, by the way, that I butchered his name, Francisek, whatever, he died back in 1992. That man survived Auschwitz, the man whom Kolbe died for, and spent his entire life telling people about what this man had done for him. Kolbe died because Jesus was at his center. Jesus was his everything. And you know, friends, I'm just going to say this and wrap up, but it's serious. It's important. What we need, what the church needs, what the world needs is not more Christians. What the world needs are more Christians who mean it, who live it, who are being changed by Jesus and willing to share it. So on this All Saints Day, we sing these great hymns, these awesome hymns. This final hymn we're going to sing, the final hymn, I sing a song of the saints of God. You all know that. You sing this since you were kids. Here's the final verse, and I want you to hear it, and I want you to sing it. I want you to remember this. For the saints of God are folks just like me, and I mean to be one too. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you today for all the saints, that wonderful gathering of all people across the world through time, even now, who are called to saved by your son Jesus and are called to live a life worthy of their calling. We pray, Lord, that you would give us courage and boldness to live our lives with Christ at the center as saints on this earth. And all God's saints said, Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.